0: Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit flip-off. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary from His Light Ministries. It's September 9th. If you live in the Jacksonville area, like I do, we got deluged last night with about four inches of rain, Uh, so hopefully you're uh, digging out of that and you're okay. Thank you for all the people listening in Meridian, Mississippi on WMOX and WMER, and up in uh, Virginia on WPMH, and uh, all our listeners really throughout the world, our, our friends who are listening over in Europe, thank you for your emails and uh, appreciate so much you guys uh, corresponding with us, letting us know. Uh, I'm real excited about today's guest. He's a good friend and mentor to me, has been for a long time, and he's um, he's a, a guy's guy who uh, was a quarterback, football player, and takes that same zeal uh, for the Lord and has been faithful for a long time, and I'm very excited to welcome Tommy Nelson back to SWAT Radio. Tommy, welcome back, brother.
1: Doug, great to be with you.
0: How are things out in Denton?
1: Well, they are better. After 60 days of drought, we finally got some rain.
0: Okay. South
1: of us got like a foot and flooded everything, but uh, we finally things got green again, so we're all rejoicing going into the fall of the year.
0: Well, speaking of green, how did the uh, mean green do out there on their first weekend?
1: Let's uh, change the subject to something else. <laughs> and we can uh, – the mighty SMU uh, ponies whooped us thoroughly.
0: They did well, – hey, did that guy – you remember there was a guy out there I introduced you to who's a quarterback there. Did he, do you know if he played? Did you watch it? Uh, that you know,
1: guy? I don't think that was him. That was a good-looking kid. But yeah. I think the guy that played was a kid that uh, was from uh, – played a little pro baseball. turned his late 20s, came back and played football. And so kind of an old guy, but uh, hopefully they'll get it. That's why you have three opening out of conference games is to get all your bugs out. So we'll see what
0: (laughs) happens. Well, good. Well, hey, I'm I'm excited. And, you know, Tommy, we talked about this before. Um, Denton Bible Church really values building into men. You have a bunch of different men's, Things to do. I, I hate to call them programs because they're they're right. guys investing. Uh, whether it's Young Guns, which you're you're building the young leaders, or the you know Bible Training Center. I know several guys that have gone through that, teaching them to exposit to God's Word and right. Men's Three Hundred and Sixty on the uh, the, uh, the you know the Men's discipleship. Uh, right. and, and you got Mel. Who was, was Mel a, a co pastor with you, or was he a mentor to you? I can't remember. Well,
1: actually, he started the church. I came with him about a year later, and he was exactly at twice my age, <laughs> and so he was a real good visionary. And uh, my deal was was preaching, and so he would have ideas, and I would kind of fill them in with preaching, and so we were like a, you know, a, a blind guy pushing a. Uh, lame guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> together, we served each other real well. Uh, our one strength was another one's strength.
0: Well, he uh, when I was out there last February, he was still discipling something like fifteen right. or and twenty he, guys.
1: Yeah. And he still is. He's ninety, about ninety-seven, and he still has guys that he meets with and pours Bible into them. The the greatest things that shape men are the basic things Mm -hmm. you learn basic things and generally on your own you go to learn the differences between dispensationalism and covenant theology and uh... and uh... eastern orthodoxy and uh... western catholicism you know you learn things heavily but when you start off it's quiet time uh... prayer time fellowship with other christians and uh... learning to share your faith and then learning to work with the body christ it's always great men are always do basic things well mm-hmm. all the time. Well, you know, it's blocking, tackling, and running, passing, and receiving. And then you, you fill in the gaps as you get older, but you never, ever leave those basic things.
0: Well, it's like I tell everybody, the guys who get to the NFL aren't because they're fancy. It's because they do right. the basic things well because they worked on, yeah. worked on them and worked on them and worked on them. Uh, but, but somehow in the spiritual life, isn't it funny? We expect it just to come after we say, okay, I'm in with Jesus. (laughs) We just expect it to be all kind of, okay, everything's kind of just going to be dumped there.
1: And you never move on beyond that. When you learn to spend time with God, to pray, confess your sins, have eternal perspective and, and long for souls and glorify God. Those aren't things that you move on from. It those are things you build on. It becomes part of your life for the rest of your life. And so I had a friend that uh, had a construction company, and he, uh, he took me to the home that he built out on Lake Winsboro. And I looked in the roof, and there were these big, massive beams up there. I said, what are these oily, old, black, weathered things? He said, that was my scaffolding. And he said, I stood on it for 50 years, and when I retired, I just couldn't get rid of them, so I built them into my house. So they hold up my house now because they held me up for so many years. And that's the way that basic things are in your Christian life. You could have visited with Howard Hendricks and John Walvoord in the last year of their life, and you'd have found men that spent time in their Bible every day, that prayed, that shared their faith, and uh, loved others and served God. Mm. And they did it in about four or five different languages.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Well, you know, Tommy, this for the last four weeks, we've been in a series called "The Gospel According to Jesus," looking at Jesus' teaching on the different aspects of what we call the salvation process of God's sovereignty and drawing us, uh, our brokenness, our depravity, and um, and and His provision of Jesus. The, the, the Messiah, what that really means, because for most of us today, right. we don't have a concept of Messiah. And then really our response. And one of the areas I really wanted you to address with our listeners today is this whole area of repentance. It seems like from John the Baptist uh, to Jesus and even his apostles, including Paul, that the repentance was a, a vital part of the message given to people. But today, people include that as a work. They say, "Well, if you call people to repent, yeah. you're adding a work." Can you can you address that a little bit? Now,
1: repentance is really inseparable from faith. People say, "What what what is the relationship of repentance to faith?" And I said, "They're really two sides of the same coin." The pe- reason that people tr- have faith in Christ, in that they receive Christ as Savior and turn from their wicked ways and long for his forgiveness and to be underneath them, the reason that they have that faith in his death on the cross and his offer of rebirth is because they sorrow over their past and over their lives. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul said to the Romans, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed for the outcome of those things is death. Now, when people trust Christ, it says of Israel and the kingdom that they will loathe themselves for the things that they have done. And so turning to Christ for salvation is because you recognize your damnation, your alienation, and separation from God. And so to say that you have faith in God uh, for salvation without any sense of guilt or a need of forgiveness and of change, is, is really an oxymoron. There, there's no way you can have faith without repentance. Now, James talks about, you know, you believe that God is one, the demons also believe and tremble. Can that kind of faith save him? That's a, merely an intellectual assent to something. Mm-hmm. Satan is is the top theologian in the Bible. He never, ever says anything wrong in the presence of God, he's got it straight. Mm -hmm. But he's a long way from being a child of God. And so uh, repentance is the recognition that I am lost, and I am guilty, and I am in need of righteousness. And in that, I will put my faith in Christ. It's the Sermon on the Mount. A person mourns, and they hunger for righteousness. Mm -hmm. They um, are uh, broken, they are meek, And then they put their trust in Christ, and they are now merciful, and they are now pure in heart. They they long to love and to walk away from sin. And the next thing they do, they are peacemakers, and then they are uh, those persecuted for righteousness' sake. So you can take those eight qualities of the Beatitudes, and you see somebody that uh, recognizes their sin, that comes to God, is born again, and then shares his message and suffers for it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of salvation.
0: Well, I know you get to talk to people and share the gospel with people. And the other day, Brad and I, by the way, Brad uh, said to tell you hi. he, he uh-huh. He's the co-host here, and he's not in the studio today. But he and I were talking about a lot of times he and I get asked questions when we're sharing the gospel, like, well, if, if I follow Jesus, does it mean I have to give up blank and just fill in the blank, whatever it is, uh, you know, smoking, drinking, you know, gambling, whatever, whatever. Uh, how do you deal with that when you're sharing with people and they ask you that question?
1: I say you don't have to do those things, give up those things to be saved. When you get saved, God's going to deal with you. In other words, Jesus does not say, Zacchaeus, come down, and then we're going to go into your house and give away half that you own to the poor, and if you've defrauded anything, we'll pay him back four times. He doesn't say that. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to come into your house. And on the way in the front door, Zacchaeus realizes there's some things that can't stay here. Mm -hmm. Lord, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, pay him back four times as much, half that I have I'll give to the poor. He didn't have to do that by law, half give to the poor. He went over and above. Mm -hmm. And so if a guy says, you know, I drink, uh, do I have to give up drinking? Uh, I will say, well, you're for sure going to have to give up getting drunk, and you're for sure in time going to have to quit harming your body. So I can tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I like doing porn, and I sleep around. Yeah, you're going to have to give that up. (laughs) Now, how God takes that from you, he is going to do it but you're going to have to give that up. I got a cursing problem. Well, God's going to take that from you, but you need to put your faith in Christ and let him do it. But yeah, in time, God's going to take that away from you, just like he did all of us. So I go ahead and play it straight with Him.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the Reformers said (laughs) that we are justified by faith alone, but that justifying faith is never alone. In other words, it will produce that work in our life. And uh, a a lot of people
1: talked about suffering, and he said, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, that you might be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Hmm. And so that's the way we're going to tell that you're the real thing, because the world is a gristmill, and it'll tell out who the real Christian is.
0: Yeah. So when people like people uh, that I've had a lot of conversations with will say, yeah, but as you teach repentance, you're telling people that's a work. People do not have to repent uh, in order to be saved. All they got to do is believe. And and it's almost like they're communicating what people in our culture are hearing is that, oh, I just have to uh, affirm the facts that Jesus died on the cross. So they're almost like they're putting their faith in the message of Jesus dying on the cross rather than Jesus himself. Can you address that a little
1: bit? If you really are in recognition of your need of forgiveness and of your guilt before God, if you are aware of that, then you are going to change your mind Mm -hmm. about, about life. And the word change your mind in Greek, metanoia, means repentance. It means change at the deepest level. And so the very fact that you turn from yourself to God From sin to salvation is the recognition of your guilt and your need of change. One of the simplest lines of the Gospel was spoken by God himself to the Apostle Paul upon Paul's conversion. And uh, Paul was praying in a temple, and God said, You better get up and run, because they're coming to kill you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, he said to God, God, how can they do that? They know who I am, that I've been a a bad guy. And, And God said, No. He said, you're going to go, and he said, you're going to, and I quote, open the eyes of men so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith. Now, that is a quote from God himself to the Apostle Paul. It's Acts 26, verse 18. And so I don't ever want to disagree with the red print. And so God says that to turn to God is to turn from darkness and from Satan to God, that is faith, and therein you receive forgiveness. So I think that repentance is inseparable from true faith in Christ. You just, you don't add Christ to the maelstrom of your own sin Mm -hmm. to try to purify it. There is a recognition of, I am poor in spirit. Um, I am um, meek and broken, and I am mourning because I'm going to my own funeral. That's always there when you trust Christ.
0: Well, you told a story, Tommy, when we were out there in February. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the name of the guy that was with you, but you talked about your, I think it was your conversion experience and a guy on the football team, y'all got on an elevator with a guy who also professed. Yes. Can you share that yes. story? Because I thought that was a great illustration. Yeah, a
1: number of us had trusted Christ, and uh, our lives had radically changed. And there was this one guy, and he was a uh, quarter miler, a skinny little guy, and he got on the elevator with his girlfriend to take her up to his room, mm-hmm. which he had done repeatedly. And, uh,. He got on the elevator with his girl and rode up, and I and my buddy, who played uh, offensive line, who didn't have a lot of table manners or uh, hygienic (laughs) customs, and we went up the deal and uh, he turns to leave out the door with his girl to take her down to his room. And this was a guy that had been attending our FCA Bible studies continually, Mm -hmm. professing himself to be a Christian. And uh, my buddy simply looked at him, and he said, hey, Pat was his name. He said, uh, you tell anybody you're a Christian, I'm going to break your skinny neck. (laughs) And uh, he communicated real clearly that if you're going to do what you're doing, that's okay, but don't you be saying you're one of us because you're not.
0: Is that accountability?
1: (laughs) Huh? is that ah, accountability yeah. I don't know whatever happened to him if i have a guy that is really living on the edge and he's looking at becoming a christian i try to save a lot of time for him mm-hmm. and i say straight out to him what you're doing if this guy is immoral if this guy is doing drugs if this guy is in rebellion against his parents if this guy is living in immorality i'm gonna look right at him and say friend What you're doing with women is defiling another man's future wife. What you're doing with booze is harming your body. It is dissipating and and wasting your body. What you're doing with drugs is illegal and would be a tragedy in the home you bring it into, and you're an embarrassment to your mother. Mm -hmm. Now, you're going to hell, or you can turn from this and trust Christ and be cleansed of it. I go ahead and bolt out real clear and just save God, Satan and everybody else a lot of time. Rather than to have some phony, you know, go through the motions. I like to tell him up front, you're gonna to have to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. And uh that way I don't have to worry about a future apostate.
0: <laughs> yeah, well yeah. You're 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 it's not like you're front loading the gospel like so many people no, believe. It didn't. You're just being honest with him, right?
1: Right. You know, Christ had a guy that said, I'll follow you. And what must I do? And Jesus could tell this was a good kid. Mm -hmm. But he had a problem with self-righteousness. And Christ spoke to it. He said, here's what you need to do. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, have riches in heaven, and come and follow me. Mm -hmm. And he walked away silent because Christ cut right down to this boy thought, that he was righteous in the sight of God. And the fact is, is that he put money ahead of God, and he put money ahead of people. Mm -hmm. And so he cut right to the chase and said, this is going to have to be established in your life. And I think with sometimes that we we have people that are on the edge, and we need to call them out Mm -hmm. and to speak right to it. That, you know, God's going to have to do some changes in your life, and you're doing some things uh, that are going to get you put in jail and going to cost you a marriage, going to cost you future kids and respect. may cost you your life mm. if you don't turn from this.
0: Well, I, you know, I so appreciate um, your teaching ministry. I know you give all glory to God, but I want to let people know that they can go to DentonBible.org, that's D-E-N-T-O-N-B-I-B-L-E.org, and you click on, uh, up in the menu, it's got media, you click on that, media library, and I think just about every message Tommy's ever preached is on there, and it, it is you you can go uh, he's you've been preaching over 40 years, right, Tommy? Yeah,
1: since about oh, since about 79, I guess.
0: Yeah, so you can go on there and get access to those and I highly recommend it. I know we got a new station in Mississippi, WMOX. Some of our listeners may not be familiar and you can go to swatradio.com. Tommy has uh given Three or four interviews over the years, and uh, one of them we talked about with the election back in 16. I think it was in 16 Tommy did a message on the Continental Divide and it was probably the fifth largest influence in that election um, uh, on YouTube. Uh, people, somebody YouTubed it. And uh, right. I, I just uh, think it was it was, a, it was a very god-given message because it came from his word, it came from uh, God working through one of his servants. So you can go to that org, and I think that message is on there. You can probably search Continental Divide on the, the site and find it, right? I think, Tommy?
1: I believe it is. Yeah. The um, um A lot of this controversy came out really in the 80s, And it came out whenever uh, John MacArthur had noticed out what is called California Christianity. (laughs) That uh, there had been, you know, so many people that said when I was seven, I went forward, or when I was in high school, I went to a Young Life conference. And the guys now were deep into homosexuality. They were deep into perversion. They did not attend church, but they had their get-out-of-hell free ticket. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist said, bring forth fruit in keeping with your repentance i need to see something uh peter said it's time for judgment to begin with the household of god and so it's through difficulty that the righteous is saved that we go through persecution that's true christianity and he got tired with a lot of people of seeing that superficial james two type of faith with no works and so that's where the term came of lordship salvation Which I think John in later days said, I wish they had renamed it. Mm -hmm. But it was simply the idea that there's no such thing as a conversionless salvation. There's no such thing as a unreborn rebirth. And there's no such thing as a former reborn person. (laughs) You do not renounce the Holy Spirit within you to leave if He has converted you. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. And so he just got tired of seeing, uh, you know, John the Baptist to the Pharisees, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Mm. Are you really here because you're fleeing from God's wrath? Is Mm. that why? And so then he said, well, bring forth fruit. And so uh, I think that's where a lot of it started was just a reaction, because I saw a lot of it at Dallas Seminary, Mm
2: -hmm. and there was
1: just a strong reaction against I guess people, some people would call it easy believe in, or just an intellectual consent Christianity, or a unconverted Christian.
0: Well, you you were one of the first pastors, Tommy, or graduates from Dallas that I heard that pretty much in your theology. You 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 never disparaged the things John was saying. You I think you understood. No, I never did. Uh, And a lot of he was
1: he was tired of what he was seeing. Well, yeah, because people
0: were denying the lordship. They were rejecting the lordship, but saying they could receive him as savior. And uh, I I know we got about one minute, but I know there was a visceral reaction at Dallas over his book. uh, But the truth was. You know, people thought they could just come to Jesus then do their own right. thing and, and have no allegiance to him at all.
1: Well, really, those that were in, you know, a Calvinistic camp, of which I am, hold to salvation is, you know, from the election of God to the um, efficacious calling of the elect to bringing them to faith and then converting them crucifying them with Christ, raising them up again as new creations, sealing them, keeping them, and then preserving them and taking them to glory and being able to say, uh, you know, whoever endures to the end, he shall be saved. There are seven times in the book of Revelation, uh, oh, what does it say? Uh, uh, oh, at the end of every church, it will say something to the effect uh, to those who are worthy or to those who endure, that that's inseparable from true faith. Mm. And so if you're of that recognition of the sovereignty of God in creation and salvation, that from election to calling all the way to resurrection and glorification, it's an act of God, he's not going to turn loose his children. Mm. And I think personally, Doug, it's one of the most healthy things that could ever rip through Christianity. It's in the first great awakening. Yeah. It, uh, the, the great message by uh, Gilbert Tennant was the dangers of an unconverted ministry. Mm-hmm. We've got guys preaching out there that aren't Christians. Oh, okay. had John uh, uh, Charles Wesley, uh, John Wesley, that looked up and said, I came to Georgia to save the heathen. It'll save me. He yeah. just recognized I'm in great need of salvation.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: God brought it about him so I think it's a very healthy thing to preach that there is no such thing as an unconverted saved man
0: well well we're going to come back after our news break Tommy and I want to talk you a little bit about God's sovereignty work and the depravity aspect of, of salvation hey you're listening to SWAT radio I'm Doug McCary of His Light Ministries we'll be right back with more of Tommy Nelson after this break on SWAT radio chose me there's always been a mystery all my life i've been told i belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite with all the never get it right but it turns out they're the ones you were
2: looking for all this time I'm
0: just hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries uh, with my good friend Tommy Nelson. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in uh, to SWAT, as uh, so often happens, people just turn on the radio and they're listening, they hear guys talking. This is SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, we got Bible studies around town. You can go to SWATradio.com and hear more. Uh, about that. And uh, we start back uh, next week with our meetings. And uh, a lot of these are based on uh, things like Tommy has built into me, just building into young men and building into men the the word of God. And um, I'm so glad he's on today. We're talking about this whole issue of uh, the gospel according to Jesus and kind of how there's a lot of churches in our country that teach almost a perversion of that or They leave out part of it in an effort to be pragmatic, maybe. I don't know, Tommy, but one of the areas that in our culture today we see a lot of churches that have this resistance to the depravity of man. And I think there's some misunderstanding about that because we're not saying that people can't do some good stuff or good deeds. But explain that a little bit from a biblical perspective. What does it mean that we have nothing within ourselves to earn God's favor, that depravity aspect?
1: Total depravity. One uh, English author said total depravity means that man can screw it up no matter where it is. (laughs) Uh, That man is a vector and a carrier of sin. Mm. And no matter where you put him in religion, in social work, in government, In education, in the arts, it's going to turn to sin, and that history is going to go downward. But total depravity simply means that uh, because of Adam's sin, that a human being is born, conceived in sin, and brought forth in iniquity. And it means that they will have a recognition of right and wrong. They may even have a recognition of uh, the existence of God. But that it is, number one, impossible within them, and their estate, to change their estate. They cannot, on their own efforts, remove their estate from one of guilt and condemnation to acceptance. And secondly, it means that uh, in their nature, in their constitution, that there is nothing in them, noetically or mentally, that will long for the infinite personal God of the Bible to know him. Mm -hmm. It means that spiritually... There is nothing in them that, left to themselves, they will turn from sin and embrace God. Uh, It means that um, willfully, that their will is not free, that they are slaves of sin. It would be like I have never, ever talked to a person, Doug, that has a real problem with their longing to eat fresh roadkill. (laughs) And has said, you know, I really need you to pray about it, because I'm just overly overwhelmed to jump out and eat dead roadkill. And uh, the reason that they that's not an issue is that their will has no temptation because their longings are completely opposed to it. Yeah. The smell of roadkill, the sight of roadkill, the taste of roadkill, the, um, uh, the everything of roadkill is so offensive to them
2: mm-hmm. that their will
1: is bound by it. Now, that's not my quote. That's Augustine's, yeah. that man feels about God the same as he feels about fresh, Dog feces, that um, he has no choice to eat it because it smells, looks, sounds, um, tastes everything that makes him gag. Mm -hmm. And that though man has no longing for the infinite God of the Bible, who makes himself known in Scripture and gave his son Jesus Christ to save us from sin, uh, all by his grace and by his glory, that particular God man has no desire for, and thus his will is such that he will not on his own turn to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that is what total depravity is. It means a man is guilty and left to himself. He will not put his faith in Jesus Christ, and thus salvation is not going to be a cooperative effort between God and man, Mm -hmm. that God will not throw the... um, Uh, styrofoam uh, life preserver out there and leave it to man to grab it, that he doesn't give man an an assist, that man is not floating down the river looking desperately for a life preserver. Mm -hmm. Man does not think the falls are in front of him. Man does not particularly like you hitting him in the head with a dang life preserver. Mm -hmm. He wants you to quit it. He wants to float on his own. Mm-hmm. That is total depravity. Is that unless God intervenes, no one will be saved. And if you and I were God, we would not intervene because man does not want the Savior. Uh, he didn't get to live but thirty or but three years in the ministry when he was here, and that's only because he was preserved by God's grace. Man would kill him then, and man would kill him now.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that Romans 3 is probably one of the best chapters on depravity in the Bible?
1: (laughs) Yes. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's man's estate. Uh, All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none uh, who longs for God. Man's heart, his mind, his will, everything. Now, he'll be religious. He'll be monotheistic. Mm -hmm but to turn and embrace Jesus Christ who died for sinners and offers him a new soul. Man will not left to himself do that. That is why Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Father who uh, sent me draws him. Uh, That is why Jesus said, I have come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he's given me, they will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will not cast out, and I will raise him on the last day. And so Christ is saying God has to give them, that's called election, Mm -hmm. and they will come, that's called efficacious grace or calling. And he said, I will not cast them out, that is called justification, and I will raise them on the last day, that's called glorification. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is a work of God. That is what Romans and really all of the Bible teaches, that it is a work of God to save. It's called monergism. One source of power, not synergism. Uh, God love him, but that's Roman Catholicism. That mm-hmm. He provides the death of Christ and the sacraments, and as you imbibe of them, you get salvation on layaway, <laughs> and you shorten your time in purgatory. And it's up to you to do it. Grace is not something accepted; it is something that is performed continually mm-hmm. that adds to your credit, and that's not that's not the
0: gospel. Mm. Well, uh, you know, just just kind of picking up on this and dovetailing a little bit, if we're all condemned, there's a growing movement even within churches that would consider themselves somewhat evangelical, although they would say progressive, that, you know what, God is really not going to send anybody to hell, McLaren and Rob Bell kind of push this, and there's a lot of churches and picking up on it, that, you know, hell is, is just, It's a warning, but it's not real. How do you deal with that, Tommy? As a as a preacher who well, the reason that I
1: have that my view, the reason that uh, Luther had his view and Calvin had his view and the Puritans had their views, were simply that they held to that man cannot know who God is unless God reveals Himself, and He is understood through the proper interpretation of the Bible. And so the Rob Bells and all the other guys are basically guys that don't like what the Bible says. And so they put, they take the Bible and put it on their Procrustean bed. Uh, the Greeks held that there was a robber named Procrustus, and he would rob people, and he would lay them on his bed. And whatever didn't fit on his bed, he would cut it off. <laughs> it was called the Procrustean bed. And so liberals, uh, Rob Bell, God love them, Arminians, um, these are guys that will subject the Bible to human reason. The Apostle Paul said, we are not to um, go beyond what is written. Do not go beyond what is written. Is it written? And so the reason that I hold to election and calling and the atonement of Christ and the penal atonement of Christ and to substitutionary, vicarious atonement, and to efficacious grace, and to conversion, and to the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and to sanctification, and then someday that you go to heaven when you die as a believer, and then your body is raised upon Christ's return. All of those are because it is set forth in Scripture. And I'm not ready to amend what God has said. Because in the temple of God, one article of furniture that ain't there is the suggestion box. You know what I'm (laughs) saying?
0: Yeah, I got you. You don't
1: get to change. Whenever God gave the temple to uh, Moses, he gave him the the, uh, dimensions, the pattern, the furniture, the materials, and even the guy that would build it. Um, This guy would... uh, Hiram would build it the way he wanted it to, and he wouldn't add one thing to it. And so there was a particular aroma that the high priest smelled. There was an aroma within the temple, an anointing within the temple of the robe of the high priest. Everything was exactly the way God said, and you didn't add to it. Like uh, the sons of Aaron that didn't like to take fire from the altar, they would take their own fire and fire consumed them. Mm-hmm. are like uh, the sons of Korah that said, we don't like the idea of coming to God on the basis of sacrifice. We're all holy. And the ground opened up and swallowed them. Mm-hmm. And they took the censers that they tried to offer before God, they beat them into a plating and put it on the altar to glow red in the furnace to mm-hmm. let everybody know you don't change mm-hmm. who God is. And so that's the reason that a lot of these guys have departed. is not because they... It's just because their reason reacts to the the greatness and grandeur of the gospel and they simply want to change it and i'm not ready to change what god has said
0: yeah what wouldn't you say that i mean i i just want to get you on record <laughs> because I don't, I don't know how many times i'll get you on here but i that when people get into universalism basically everybody's going to make it to heaven or or right. that hell isn't is only temporary that right. that's going beyond what the bible said and basically yeah. what they're saying is you know what i don't think god would make hell like that or my god wouldn't yeah. do hell like that so they're basically putting themselves over god's word distorting its its uh contextual meaning aren't they
1: You're exactly right. It's just my reason has a problem with what the Bible says. And so I'm going to have to change the Bible to... to, uh, to, Well, it's why the liberals began liberalism in Germany, was that they felt that modern man, 20th century man, would not tolerate the supernaturalness of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so they felt they were doing a good thing to change Christianity to be a bridge to intelligent moderns. Mm -hmm. Bruce Shelley, in his great book on church history, when he has the introduction of liberalism, that's the name of the chapter. Mm -hmm. It's called A Bridge to Intelligent Moderns. Mm -hmm. And that is what the liberals felt they had to do that our generation doesn't like hell and they don't like the virgin birth and they sure don't like anti darwinism and creation. Mm-hmm. They sure don't like the culpability of man is guilty. They're more Freudian or Skinnerian. And so we're going to have to change that so that Harvard, Yale, and uh, you know all of the uh, liberals can all get along with us. And you can't do that. We, we're not... We never, ever want to be friends with the world and have to become enemies of God. And I think the major reason, Doug, that guys get off into erroneous theology is they don't teach the Bible expositorily. If you start with Genesis 1 and move all the way to Revelation, you're going to have to take the Bible for what it says, and you're going to find that the Bible doesn't change itself. It has basic ideas that it repeatedly... uh, Uh, repeats and it just never departs from them Mm. if people will simply stay in the bible and teach it as it is they're going to stay where they are Mm. and to be honest you know the world hasn't had a real good track record (laughs) human reason hasn't had a good track record Mm. that's where you get communism socialism that's where you get transgenderism that is where you get um Atheism, agnosticism, skepticism is going to be from the human reason of man, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to rest one iota on what somebody in Stockholm or Copenhagen thinks about Christ. <laughs> I'm going to go with what the Bible says. You, you never want to disagree with men who rise from the dead.
0: Oh, man, that's and that's true. what I'm
1: going to do with the Bible. Well,
0: it, and don't you believe, just to kind of dovetail a little bit on that, that... The current state of our culture is a result of a lack of biblical exposition, and now we're to the point where we're at Romans 1, almost to the end, the debased mind, the mind that says you can be a girl when you're really a guy, you can be a guy when you're really a girl. We're going to codify men marrying men, women marrying women, and it's okay because they can be Christians too. I mean, and, and that's yeah. just the the absurdity that happens when you get away from God's Word, right?
1: Yeah. the uh, uh, Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, he said, uh, you know, I'm sorry, not Ananias and Sapphira, he said it to Simon the magician who wanted to buy the ability to impart the Holy Spirit and and uh, convert men. And he said, you're still in the, in the bondage of iniquity and in the gall of bitterness. He said, you, you don't belong to us. Mm. You still are in, in your lostness. I don't care if you did say you're a Christian Philip did baptize you. You're still in the bondage of iniquity. Mm. You're not one of us. He said of Judas that Judas hung himself and went to his own place. Mm. He left and he departed to hell. He said that was his place. And so, yeah, it's, it's very easy to have tares among the wheat. You really can, and I think that is why that there is so much of a fall off in, of Christianity in our day is that you know people. Jesus said of John the Baptist, "What'd you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed blown by the wind? Did you go out to see a man in fine clothing? Some lobbyist uh, <laughs> in, in Washington? If you want to find a lobbyist that'll that'll laugh with you all the time." go to the palaces. You're not going to find it in John the Baptist.
2: Mm-hmm. You found
1: not a reed shaken by the wind. You found a prophet, and one more than a prophet. You found the one that came before my face and said, this is him. And so that's why men went out in great numbers to see John, and that's why they came to see Jesus. And you couldn't get into the house. You couldn't get on the shore. Uh, you, you couldn't get on the plane. He had to go up on the on the slope. It was simply because he, uh, they said, no man spake as this man. He's saying things that humans have never said because he was a man of the book. They think this must be Jer- Jeremiah. No, this must be Elijah. This must be one of the prophets of old. This ain't like nobody we have ever seen in our life. And all Jesus did was to say, I did not come to uh, renounce the word but to fulfill it. Every jot and tittle. And that's why his very name was the word of God. And so if we would have guys today that would simply preach the Bible and then take the hit as it comes, we would have a return to true, monergistic, Christ-exalting holiness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, frankly, is what a whole generation wants to go to. A lot of the millennials today are lost at sea. They're kids of technology that have, are beyond their parents, beyond their grandparents, and they have lost all confidence, you know, in the system and that's why they say even among millennials, there's beginning to be a movement back to uh, orthodoxy as far as uh, Roman Catholicism, Anglicanism, uh, Russian orthodoxy, Greek orthodoxy, because they're just tired of the milquetoast, you know, kind of Hillsong mm-hmm. stuff of, of just... Um, they're tired of the circus, and they want to find somebody that will speak it truly. Mm. And some there's something about... You know, the, the ancient path of orthodoxy that appeals to them, one guy said that a millennial has been raised on Tolkien and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. both of which claim supernatural power in an English mold from ancient days. And so just that is attractive to them. At least in Tolkien and Harry Potter, you have a supernaturalness from ancient days, even if it isn't biblical. Once they found out that it's biblical, it's even, it can be even more attractive.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that's, you know, they said during the, uh, early in the Reformation, the, the watchword was uh, ad fontes, back to the fountain, back to the fountain. Let's go back to the scriptures. They asked Luther to denounce uh, what he had written. He said, unless it can be demonstrated to me from the scriptures that I am wrong, it is not safe to go against your conscience. I shall not, I will not recant. Here I stand. God help me.
0: Amen. Mm. Well, that's uh,
1: what there has to be when you step into a pulpit. You've got to disappear.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking, Tommy, um, just about, like, where our culture is now. And I want to let people uh, know again. They can go to DentonBible.org. Go to media on there, and you can listen to uh, Tommy's past sermons. In fact, this past week, Tommy taught on the simple truth of salvation, um, you can go there, yeah. and and it's it's right on. When you open up the media pages there. He's proudly representing the NT Green. Even oh, they didn't have oh, a good baby. week. Yeah. You you are one loyal guy. You 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 know well, one good thing is my church is
1: bigger than all the people that came to our home games.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, I hate uh,
1: to say it, but it is.
0: <laughs> well, uh, but I I want to give people. If you want to ask a question, we got about five or six minutes left. You can email me at ask at SWATradio.com, and I'm happy to pass. Tommy's been preaching for a long time. Tommy, here's a quick question, and and these just give these elevator kind of uh, answers, like, you know, you got an elevator and somebody asks you this. Um, right. You mentioned earlier in the program uh, covenant and dispensational. For the average person out there, they hear those terms. What does that mean uh, practically uh, as far as Bible understanding, or Bible teaching, uh, the difference between dispensational and covenantal teaching?
1: Well, um, dispensational theology says that all through history, men are saved exactly the same by faith in a God of mercy. Um, But as history progressed through the Bible, the Bible slowly and surely reveals its truth. And so in the Garden of Eden, uh, it was merely an animal was killed in the place of Adam, and he and his wife had God place the skins on them, and they had faith in that. Uh, up until um, the time of the, uh, uh, the flood, uh, men uh, were simply, as God said to Cain, if you do good, uh, will not your face be lifted up? They were to go back to sacrifice to the altar and have repentance and faith. And they they didn't, and so the world was destroyed. And after the flood, first thing that Noah did was he offered up sacrifice. And then uh, in Abraham's day, you see God promising him, um, I'm going to give you this land, and in your seed the nations will be blessed. And Abraham offered sacrifice. Isaac offered sacrifice. Jacob offered sacrifice. The law of God came to Israel. They offered sacrifice. So you're always saved by believing in a God who is going to provide sacrifice. And then with Christ, that by, that not, a basis of faith becomes crystal clear in the person of Jesus Christ, which we proclaim in our day, and someday we will see face-to-face when Christ returns. And so that's basically that in every age or in every stewardship that God requires of man, uh, certain always faith, but the rules may change, mm-hmm. that you can't eat uh, blood, you can't eat unclean food, and then that changes under grace, and now you're under grace in the kingdom, you will look upon him face to face. That's dispensational thought, that there is the unveiling of divine truth that becomes more and more clear throughout the ages. Covenant theology is, uh, has so much that is true to it, that there is a covenant between God the Father and God the Son, that he will give the Son to die, and between the elect of God, he will give them to Christ to die for, and that all through the ages men have had a knowledge of Christ that they believe in. And uh, the, the major change will come that uh, covenant theology will hold that the promise of the kingdom of God is fulfilled now in the church. Dispensationalism said, no, it will literally be fulfilled in the return of Christ and of his kingdom. But basically, those those are answers to questions not a lot of people are asking, uh, you can go and read Ryrie's book on dispensationalism, and he will set it forth very clearly. Mm-hmm. Kind of the, um, the, the essence of dispensationalism is that there will be a second coming in the kingdom of God, literally upon the earth, and in covenant theology that that period is experienced right now spiritually in the church, that, it won't, that the church is the spiritual people of God. Uh, dispensationalism said Israel in that time. Uh, will fulfill their role of being the people of God. So that's kind of an elevator view.
0: Okay. Right there. All right. I got this question from Matt. John 3.16 and election. How do they fit together?
1: Yeah, the fact of the offer of Christ to all men to believe that God hath commanded men everywhere to repent, that that is a valid offer for God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Um. It is a potential offer to every man. It will not be efficacious to every man. Mm. Uh, if God intended every man to be saved, it would be a defeated Savior. Mm. That he, the offer is out there to everybody, and of course now uh, you have the deal of who did Christ die for. Did he die totally for the wrath of God, or only in God's mind for the elect? But let's say that he died for the wrath of God, that every man is invited but only the elect will come. Mm. And so anybody, Doug, when they're out preaching the gospel, they're going to become unlimited in their atonement and their preaching because they're going to tell to everybody, Christ uh, gave his life for you and died for you, and God loves you and has provided for you, and the they offer is valid to trust Christ. Mm. Um, but the fact is, no man comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Mm. That's not completely, it's reasonable, but it's not completely rational. Uh, if it was, it probably
0: wouldn't be the Bible. Hey, well, Tommy, our time is up, and I am been blessed like always, and I'm sure our listeners are. I want to let our listeners know you've been listening to uh, Tommy Nelson from Denton Bible Church. If you are in the Dallas area for a weekend out there doing something, drive over to Denton, go up to Tommy after the service, and tell him you're from Jacksonville. You listen to SWAT Radio. Um, it's a it's a great church. Tommy, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for being on here. And uh, we pray for you. And hopefully, uh, North Texas will have a better week next yeah. week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Doug, when we're cut, let's bleed
0: Bible. Yes, sir. Thank you. love you. Hey, thank you, you listen to SWAT Radio. Go to SWATRadio.com. You can listen to this or any past program. You can also communicate with us at Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk, Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk, or send an email to Doug at Talk. Uh, dot com. We start our SWAT Bible studies next week. Hope to see you then. Take.
1: If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on past shows where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts. And they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening.